This week's episode is brought to you by Roberto Luongo, one of the best ever to attend the net and an overall good dude. He retired this week, and I hope he stays in hockey somehow. The game's poor with is poor without him. But anyway, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into the Burgundy Radio Free Agency Day special. Let's make it quick because there's a lot of words to say. I'm Steph. This is Earl. Hello. This is Jackie. Hello. And this is Rudo. Yo. So, did both of the last two of you make it to Dev Camp this week? I know Rudo did. Yes. It would have been a hell of a commute for Earl, so I'm not even going to ask. <laughs> I, I passed, yes. So, uh, just kind of, before we get into, you know, everything that happened today as we record this and continues to happen around us um, with free agency, let's just spend a couple of minutes, I don't want to get into it, you know, to a real heavy degree because it's just development camp. It's not the most important thing in the world, as we may have noticed. Um, but just kind of talk for a minute about what's going on over there and who really stood out for you, both positively and negatively. And then, of course, like the names everyone cares about. Yeah, I think they'll they'll kind of line up with each other mostly because Cout was just a beast during the three dev camp days. He was just clearly a cut above everyone else. Just looked better, looked like a pro, looked like he was ready to take the next step. Bowers as well, super polished player. He's not quite the, the man level of Cout, I would say, but he's he looks like he's ready to, to take a big role on the Eagles. Yeah, I thought Bowers, particularly day one, just the polish he had versus pretty much everyone else was stood out. And I also agree with Cout, he's just... He's a pro hockey player, so it is kind of silly a little bit to keep him in that environment. There are a lot of comparisons um, that raised some eyebrows during the week between uh, Newhook, our second first-round pick this season, and one Nathan McKinnon. Uh, I don't know. I yeah, think that's a stretch. Yeah. He, McKinnon's big enough to be that bull in a china shop type that Newhook's just never going to have. Newhook's a lot closer to Duchesne to me. Yep. Not quite so much east-west kind of stuff that Duchesne does, but he's more that type of player, and his skating reminds me more of Duchesne. I don't think he's McKinnon level, Mankar level, but which is still pretty freaking good, but... Right. He's that's the kind of center he is, is probably going to be more like a Duchesne. Right. He has that finesse talent that it'll show up in, in showcases like this. And it did absolutely at the three on three. Yeah, he was really good at, in the three on three. Because he, he's a guy where you see the skill in the drills, but like shooting and thing that's really not like his bread and butter. So when you get in a game situation and he can use his passing and his hockey sense and and then you can really see the quickness in a game that he has because he plays at a pretty fast pace but I still think he's a little ways out he's raw there's a lot of things he tries that is great that he's trying it but he doesn't quite finish what he started <laughs> yeah <laughs> so he's, he's gonna need really a little cool. time to put it together which is totally fine I, it's just those media folks speculating that he might show up for the Avs at the end of the year like McCarr did. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anyone that what stood did... out in like a negative way? 
It's hard to say negative in dev camp because was anyone yeah. disappointing? It's really hard to disappoint at a dev camp, I would say. You might not look the best, but maybe your skills just don't translate in, in a dev camp situation. Um, I'd have a really hard time picking out, out a negative. I don't think anyone looked bad. Even some people we weren't super sure about, like Steinberg, definitely flashed more skill than I was expecting. So I agree. I, I was happy with what Steinberg showed. And then, obviously, Byram, I think he he showed the, the kind of skill he has. I think I don't think he was ever fully comfortable in camp, which is fine. Like for the first year players, it's just like a total whirlwind. Yeah, he but was fine. The he, skill uh, level is incredible. Yeah, had a lot and, of good and he moments. He was good. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the consistency there for him to make the team this year. I'll put that out there, but it's a dev camp. You can't take that much from it. Yeah, and the yeah, nice well, thing with him, at least he'll be back for rookie camp and regular camp. Exactly. How he compares and plays with NHL players is really going to set it for him. I think he's right on the line. I think if they wanted him to play, he could. It wouldn't be the worst thing if he didn't play, but he's close. Like He's, he's right there where it's pretty close. I will say one unexpected standout maybe you wouldn't expect people to mention. I really like what Sampo Ranta did. And we know he's an athletic. He, he always looks good using his skating and his shot. But I still even think that he was closer to the guys that we all just talked about rather than, you know, everyone else. Okay. So, so based on all of that, it sounds like Martin Kaut is done at that level and ready to graduate upward. Yeah, we, so, we would like that. About so, that. <laughs> so one would hope the Avalanche would try to find a spot for him on their roster at some point this season. Oh boy. So yeah, the, we'll probably get into this. The, the absolute <laughs> dream going into the summer has been realized as Capo Caco, Artemi Panarin, and Jacob Truba have all gone to the New York Rangers. <laughs> So let's go through the Avs weekend in order, starting a few days before Canada Day, as Colorado trade Carl Soderberg to the Arizona Coyotes for Kevin Connaughton in the 2023rd. I'll go through everything, and then we can maybe talk about individual pieces later, but it all needs the context. They then flip that third, along with the 2022nd, to Washington for Andre Burakovsky. Scott Kosmachuk also went the other way in that deal, which is hilarious. Burakovsky had asked for a trade out of the capital, looking for an expanded role. Fair bet the Avalanche want to give him one. As was rumored late Sunday, Colorado signed Jonas. Jonas? What the fuck? Colorado signed Jonas Tonskoy to just short of a David Jones money, $3.9 million over four years. He was a very promising Sharks forward who found himself buried in their impressive depth and slumped to end the season, which probably helped drive his price down a little bit. And then Colorado retained Colin Wilson for another year. Just one year there, so the money isn't relevant, but it is $2.6 million. And we cap the day with the Avs adding Vegas Golden Knights forward Pierre-Edouard Belmar, a Frenchman and honorary Swede, apparently, whose name is not spellable for me as a monolingual American. There's like a random O in the middle of it for some reason. <laughs> he gets $1.8 million over two years. So, 
in total, Colorado got their got a third back ne- for next year's draft and then flipped it along with a second. And and you know no no longer have Carl Soderberg and brought in Kevin Kinnott and Andre Burakovsky, Jonas Donskoy, Colin Wilson retained and Pierre Edward Belmar. The that you filled up your whole forward core. It's sure a did. whole bunch of stuff for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I th- I I think pretty much the the entire off season is going to be focused on the acquisitions of Burakovsky and Donskoy because <clears throat> they were going to be the the big ads to the offensive core and you know it's really hard to gauge how they're going to perform just because the the caps and the sharks play so different from the way the avalanche do Donskoy's numbers look really good as far as shot metrics and whatnot but it's they're not going to translate one for one but you know, we got to see a lot of him in the playoffs and have a pretty good idea of what he can do. And, you know, for me, that sounds like a really solid signing. Burakovsky, you know, I think that's that's more hope and prayer. Um, he's got some tools. He was buried in Washington for reasons that some were probably of his own doing, some were just circumstance. Um, so it, it's, you know, I, I'm sure they're hoping that with, with more time he can – show off, you know, his good shot and, and, you know, good two-way play and be a good middle to top six forward for them. Yeah, I mean, the dream is they're both 50-point players, right? And then you're, you've hit the jackpot. You have them yeah. both relatively cheap and both for relative term, and you're looking great. I just don't see the odds of... Both of them almost, I would say it's almost no chance. And, and even one of them, I don't think it's great that they get that high. There's obviously a lot to unpack here. Um, the first move was the Soderbergh trade, which at the time we were happy they managed to get something for an expiring contract, even though Soderbergh was providing a near 50 point worth of production. And it does. After seeing all the moves in succession, it, I think there's even more questions than answers at this point because they're left without a second line center. So I guess that's just Jost or Kerfoot or whoever again. And then, did they really move Soderberg just to get a third round pick? Like, was it they knew what it was going to take to get Burakovsky? And they didn't have a third. And Washington wanted a third for next year's draft. And they just sat there and that's what they came up with was, oh, we, we knew who's interested in Soderbergh. I bet we could get a third from Arizona. Like, is that how that all went down? Because on its own, just to decide to get rid of Soderbergh after everything that was done just doesn't seem like it makes sense. I think that decision was probably made a while ago. I mean, I you know I don't think the Avs ever do anything rashly or without lots of consideration. Yeah, I I still um, have a little bit of a problem with the value. Like, you gave up a second and a third for a player that Washington wanted to get rid of, and it's, and the it's expensive. Never hit the forty point plateau. Yeah. And yeah, sure. Soderberg's older, and he only has one year left on his deal. But a third and a depth defenseman is it? Ugh. I was 
from the word go on the Soderberg deal, I was saying that Carl's value to the team is better than that trade value. Yeah, I agree. Right, exactly, which is why it's so curious that this was part of the whole enchilada here. I mean, I think what we're seeing, though, I mean, more and more, we're kind of seeing that this year might be a lot about trying to get some questions answered more about more than you're really pushing the envelope. Sure. Um, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think it was very premature to go into last season thinking Tyson Jost was going to be the second line center. And I'm still not convinced that's exactly the plan. Um, you know, but I do think they want someone uh, to take the reins, someone that they have internally to take that position. And, you know, I, I think they really want to find out what they've got rather than, you know, being forced to make a trade for something. I mean, they still haven't either signed or traded Barry, obviously. So, um, you know, if, if they have to do that at some point during the season, they do have the means to do so. Um, but then the Wilson and the Bell Mare thing makes zero sense if you want sort of that internal figure out what you have. That yep. Those two moves completely contradict that idea. They sure do. <laughs> the abs are going in two different directions. Let, let's pause on that for just a second because when, when we're talking about answering questions, I think it's really important that we're clear about what questions we're asking. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Correct. The questions we're asking are who's our 2C of Jost, Comfort, Kerfoot, basically. And my answer is New Hook, but not yet. Yeah. And our answers to those questions are we don't know yet. And our supporting cast, there are a bunch of other guys that we have questions on. So our second line and part of our third line is still very, very fluid. And the third line will be fine. I'm not worried about it. But the second line, who knows, man. So what's the point of of last season? Because that was the same question we went, went into last I agree. season with. Yeah, and last season we gave up on answering questions, unfortunately. We, we should yeah. know who Kerfoot is at this point. We should know who Comfer is at this point. We All that we don't know is how much exactly... Words are freaking hard, y'all. How much exactly Jost is still going to grow. Yeah, pretty much. I I'm with you there. I think Kerfoot I, especially is is pretty much a known quantity at this point. Yeah, I think after the the stretch and the playoffs, they they have a pretty good idea what they want to do with Kerfoot. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but I, I think they know his capabilities and what he can do. Um, you know how hard they can push him, how much responsibility they can give him. So I I, I think that is a known quantity. I think Comfort pretty much is a known quantity. I, I think a lot of people have a, a faulty perception of him as a, a stalwart defensive forward and things like that. And that's that the, the numbers don't bear that out. And <clears throat> his usage kind of went away from that later in the season. They think so, that, so that kind of leaves Jost. Well, yeah. So the thing with Comfort is there might be some upside there, but. If you're being realistic, he's not a doozy. He just isn't. Yeah, and there's yeah. no way. <laughs> and people think he's like two or three years younger than he actually is. Yeah, he's 24, so he's you know. I think I would take his general level of play right now, but the consistency is what's never materialized for him, and that's the frustrating thing I think for everyone with Comfort because 
you know, he'll he'll do something amazing in a game or, or have an amazing, you know, 60 minutes he'll put together. And you'd be like, Jesus, where was that the last 10 games? And that's, you know, you, you get that a lot with Comfer. You know, he does a lot of amazing stuff, but then where does he go afterwards? And I don't see how Kerfoot is expendable, which uh, you Not see pop up every once in a while. And I still think he's their fourth best forward now. I Donskoy could be. Uh, Donskoy and Burakovsky are better. I mean, you're really hoping. You're hoping, (laughs) but at this point, not saying they are. And so they they really need Kerfoot. And maybe still people still believe his points are kind of fake and he doesn't deserve them, but he's a playmaker and they need that. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah, I, I think out of the, th- I mean, I, I hope Jost has more upside than than Kerfoot just because he has further to go. But you know, I, I still think Kerfoot could be a, a fifty point player. I mean, the reason I think we all, or at least I, like the Donskoy move is he's a player that it seems like he may be able to help drive the play a little bit. He's not an auxiliary player as much. He's right. someone who can carry the puck for you and and do things like that for a Kerfoot or a Jost. Yeah, he compliments the the styles that that those guys have. I mean, not saying that those guys are similar that much, but it's just they they all lack something, and he has it, and that's that's going to help them all a lot. And I I don't know Burakovsky's game well enough to say, you know, it's like I can look at the numbers and say like, okay, you know, like bad things don't happen in the defensive zone much when he's nice, but he doesn't play against tough he's, competition either. But no, he's he's not a he's not a play driver. He's the type of player that. You stick next to a Kerfoot and tell Kerfoot right. to get him pucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like you know, the, the first thing you notice when you watch highlights of him is his shot, which is it's quite impressive. Um, but you know, it seems like he has some auxiliary parts of his game that that work well too. So, you know, trying to figure out what all that means and how to mesh it in with you know, one of those guys or two of those guys, what the the coaching staff needs to figure out in camp. Right, that's the problem, is they have three pieces to figure out on a second line, and you don't have anything super solid on any of them in your system. So that's fun. Yeah. Which wing does (laughs) Burkowski play on? He can play both. He's he's listed as both on Cap Friendly, and I'm I'm not that familiar with his positionality either. But because as we're having this conversation, it really just sounds like those three guys would make maybe not a bad line. Yeah, I think that that's my projected second line is Burkowski on the left, Jost in the middle, and, and Donskoy on the right. And depending on how they look and camp and, and through preseason and things like that, you may see that change. But putting Burkowski or Donskoy on the third line feels pretty bad. It does. You're paying, you're paying Donskoy almost $4 million. You don't want that on your third line. Burkowski's going to be making at least 3.25, and if you went out and got him to play him on your third line, then you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I think it's a f- fair thing to experiment with, but then who's on your third line? Well, it's going to be Willie and, you know, either... Comfort. Yeah, exactly. Just. You know, I, I think you're looking at, at who's in your top nine and then the three other guys which who are... You know, it, it looks like, it, once again, we're not going to have a real fourth line. Nope. Because there's not really much centers left at that point. 
Are they going to finally accept and put Nieto and Calvert on the fourth line where they should be? The Wilson. I, I think as long as they, they kind of have to, right? <laughs> At least one of them is going to have to. Play yeah, them. I was yeah. going to say I, the key is keeping them apart because it's like when they're together with anyone. I mean, it, like even Carl couldn't drive a line with both those guys on it, and that's just tough. Um, you know, it's going to take Jared Bednar out of his comfort zone, comfort zone not to be able to have a vet line like that. But out of his comfort zone. <laughs> then, but then, what are you going to do? Have Kerfoot. Let's say Wilson on one know, line, and one of today, them. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them. Okay, let's say Nieto. But then you're going to end up having Comfer, Belmare, and Calvert on the fourth line. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I yeah, mean... probably. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's probably and it. Yeah. I think you'll what you'll see there with Kerfoot is they'll Avs will do their double shifts thing and get Kerfoot in with the top line some, while maybe Landeskog takes a couple of those shifts. Yeah, I could yeah. see that too. I, I think how it worked out in the playoffs and at the end of the year gives them some confidence there. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I know that it isn't a popular view, but I still think that that Miko on the second line driving it with two other guys is what should be the goal. And so, if, are if you putting Burakovsky on the top line then, or not or sure? What? I mean, you know, it's like it could be Kerfoot, it could be Burakovsky. I mean. I don't know. I just don't. But, I I don't see the Abs not being committed to really trying the Burkowski and Donskoy in the top six at, at significant cost. Yeah. Right. No, I'm, I, 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 I don't know how it's going to work out, but I just I I do think that having Miko be on a line separate from McKinnon is something they should endeavor to do, just because. Uh, I mean, Miko doesn't shoot enough and maybe that's his own choice and maybe it's not, you know, I, I think when you have a guy like Mac that shoots a lot and then Landy who's net front and getting a lot of shots via tip and cleaning up rebounds, that just doesn't leave enough puck touches for Miko to, you know, do as much as he possibly can. So however, however you need to craft the lineup uh, to get, ranting and more touches that 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 should be the goal now that doesn't preclude them from using the three-headed monster when needed uh but i i you know I, I would really love to see those two broken up so that they can both have a a, a dangerous line yeah I, I think that's fair i i do think eventually the Avs should look to break up the three-headed monster it's just going to be really hard to do while they're sorting yeah. out all the question marks in their. Oh, it's so good. I mean, it's just it's so hard to do. It's it's counterintuitive. Right. I, I think uh, we'll see. You know, again, maybe twenty games into the season, and they have a better grasp on where Jost is, what Burakovsky is. Yeah. They'll say, okay, maybe this guy will fit on the top line, and we can slide Ranson down and get someone who's struggling going a bit more. Right, and it's just. Bednar's going to have to overcome his stubbornness with staying with things too long to to be able to, you know, make changes in his top nine, and you know maybe adding the skill that Burakovsky and Donskoy are will allow him to do that more. I guess that's that's a big hope here. Speaking of staying with things too long, the <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel about Colin Wilson coming back for another year? I thought you were about to tell me about game-changing coffee, but... <laughs> uh, 
Wilson's fine, right? It's not going to hurt the Avs. I don't think it does a lot to me. It says we couldn't do better, which is disappointing, but he's a fine stopgap. Yeah, I, you know, I think at this at one year and the salary he's commanding at 2.6, um, I know a lot of people say that's where he should be, but, you know, he did make quite a bit more over the past four years. So, you know, it, it's a it's a good value signing. He's going to give you really good play about 30% of the time. And then the rest of it, you're just going to have to deal with him floating around or flubbing the puck all the time or getting benched or whatever. And so... You know, I'm, I'm willing to take the good with the bad. I mean, you know, you look at the playoffs he had, that's great. You know, it's like if you do make it into the playoffs and he becomes Willie the Hero again, you know, that's a great move. What? I just wonder, and this is getting back to the point that you have to look at all of these moves in concert with each other. And it starts getting really crowded by bringing Wilson back. And you're crowding your lineup for mediocre middle six talent, not quality NHL top sixers. And that's where it becomes a problem. Yeah, I've been pretty vocal about not wanting Wilson back. I think they just needed to move on. And I feel like Burakovsky kind of replaced him. Obviously, they see more upside there. But it seemed like that was the role that he was coming in to take. It's also a concern that Sackett called him a top or a second line um, player in his press release, which yeah. is not really. I mean, I know he played on that line, but they didn't never even really had a real second line. But, you know, at one year, I get it. At least it's not a commitment. And it seems like he wanted to come back really bad and just sign quickly. And it obviously feels like like a, a plan B or maybe plan G. Uh, for the abs, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that they couldn't get someone better, so just bring Wilson back. So I mean, if it was them going into the dumpster bin and maybe signing a guy for two or three years versus Wilson, then I certainly would take this. But I don't know that you need to default to it either. Like this is maybe when we have the count discussion where I think Almost. instead of signing Wilson, they could have just given the job to Cout. And I don't know that your results would be a ton different. Well, I yeah, mean, that... you, you, you did say that it, it's retaining Colin Wilson is maybe better than, than dipping into the third or fourth tier and, at, and throwing out a couple of years. But they did that, too. Yeah, they sure did. The that is wow. for a different role. Yeah, I mean, that's... Is it, though? It's like the Soderbergh replacement. It's sort of the veteran, the crutch. I don't know necessarily that Wilson's that. He does have some of those attributes, but the Belmare signing is just the total trustworthy veteran leadership, blah, 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 bullshit crutch. Belmar is like, what, 34, right? Yep. His career in HL high on points is 16. Yeah, it's... I'm going to start off by saying Belmar, the player, is a fine fourth liner. I've been starting off with that every time I talk about him, because he is. You put him in his role, he'll do it fine, he'll be good at it. But the Avs had no need for that. It is worthless to the Avs to have that player. Even though, yes, he's a center and all the Avs need face-offs, no. 
he's taking up a spot from someone else, whether it's Kamenev, whether it's Kaut, it doesn't matter. He's just taking up a spot. It's just, it keep, the problem keeps happening over and over again. These are the guys you don't go out and pay for. And even though it, it's not going to hurt their cap now, maybe somewhere down the line it is going to hurt where you can't p- pay 2 and $3 million t- for a guy to fill a role that you could easily, if you cared whatsoever, get that from your system. It does not take a high level of talent or like some giant miracle to get somebody to be good enough to play on your fourth line in the NHL. I mean, we could probably name four or five players in the Av system signed right now who could step in and do it on at, on game one. Right. Yeah. I just... And I... A lot of the feedback I've been getting from people on the Belmare signing is, oh, well, he's a center so he's not blocking Kaut. That's not how depth works in the NHL. Yeah. If Belmar is the 12th or 13th forward and a winger goes down, they're not going to just suddenly play Kaut over him. They're yeah. just going to drop him into the lineup. Right, they move everyone up a notch. Right. Is how and, they do it. And Belmar is going to be ahead on the depth chart of a Kaut or a Greer. Or even look at Donsko. I mean, he's he's some a signing that I agree with. I think he will fit in well. I think he's he's generally worth his contract. But he was a fourth-round pick for for the Shark. And that's what you're trying to do when you get somebody in the fourth round. You turn them into an NHL player. They're a good depth player. Then when they command a little bit more money than you want to pay, you move on. You and look you at, have a team like you, the Avs pay for that guy. Even closer to home, look at Ryan Graves. You actually gave him an NHL shot, and shockingly, he's a decent hockey player. <laughs> you have to give these guys opportunity to prove themselves. and. Belmar just gets in the way of that, and that's it. He's just blocking your prospects, and you're failing to get at worst value, at or at best value, at worst knowledge about a player in your system, and it's disappointing. And I feel like this is going to be a really important year to see what happens with Cal. Like, I know a lot of people are saying if he's not there on the roster on day one, it's not a problem, and and that exact point I agree with. But the Avs haven't shown that they have an active plan about how to get somebody from the AHL into the NHL and to stay. Like, they call up their empty, warm bodies as call-ups. We say every year, oh, it's fine, he'll be the first call-up, there'll be injuries. We have a whole year to get through. And then when we get to the end of the year, and it's like we called all these bums up, you know, excuse after excuse. And I'm just concerned because if he spends an entire year in the AHL, I think his chance to become an impact player has passed. I think they could still get NHL games out of him, but if they want him as a true, like, second, third line, like an important piece to the team, they can't just let him rot away for another year. Like, he's ready to play at the next level. I don't. I think they could still get an NHL impact player out of him if they leave him in the AHL all year. Maybe like a fourth but liner. I think you're no. I think he'd still be a perfectly fine third liner. But yeah. you're wasting not time. To them. You're <laughs> yeah. just you're not being effective with your play. And if you're not getting what you can out of Cout to play a guy who you know is going to provide you 15 points, that's what he does. He scores 15 points a year. 
what are we doing? Why Willie, are we paying that guy twice what Cout is getting paid? Or Willie will be gone in a year. And that's great. And and more to your point, though. Right. How far was Cout really already down the depth chart? You know, are we going to call up Sheldon Dries again this year? Is AJ Greer ahead of him? Is Or whatever bums they haven't signed Right. Yet. So it's... Bill Maher is just the one we know that is ahead of him, and every person ahead of them is not a good thing unless they're a better player, which by all metrics, Bill Maher won't be. <clears throat> this is a real well, similar with... conversation um, to adding Kevin Connaughton in the Carl Soderberg deal, because uh, this was already out, but Joe Sackett confirmed today that Ian Cole probably won't be back until December. I believe that was hip surgery or something. Double hip surgery. Ooh. So, I mean, you, you need somebody else to help fill in that pipeline, but you've got Ryan Graves, you've got Mark Barbario, you've got Nicholas Malosh. Like, you've, you've got options. Yeah, there was not really a need for Connaughton, I think. I kind of understand where they're coming from. I think it just happened to be a good fit because they wanted to move Soderbergh anyway. But... Why is he there? And I, I, are I you that worried about giving Graves the Cole spot? It sounds like EJ will maybe be healthy for the start of the year, or at least close to it. Well, you also have Byram, who you could get games out of. Totally. To get you to December, for example. Like, you don't want him to stay the whole year, but you, sure. you could keep him that long. There's it, also... Timmons, if that ever becomes a right. real option. I mean, they're going to play him at some point if he's a real hockey player, which we didn't mention. He, he did complete dev camp, so it was a step in the right direction for Timmons. So I'm, I'm back to being a little bit optimistic there. But anyway, but he's another example of a guy that they're going to want to give games to. Yeah, it, they didn't go out and get a Tyler Myers. Now you can say, you can think what you want about Tyler Myers, the player. He's a bona fide NHLer. He would provide something quality to the Avs roster. I think bad sure. things about Tyler Myers. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather have Zadorov. Okay, sure. But you, he has the NHL caliber skill. He has the NHL caliber experience. He's the type of player that you'd be looking at and saying, this guy you can add into your NHL lineup and not worry about it. Whereas is Kevin Connaughton, you pick him up and you're like, I guess he's our seventh D. And at that point, what, he might, I, maybe I he's our not. eighth. And, and this is my point, is the Avalanche have gone out of their way in the la over this weekend to add pieces at the tweener level. Yeah, right. Exactly. They're not adding pieces that are really impacting their NHL roster. They're just dropping in pieces between the roster and their prospects and not giving their prospects the opportunity to earn positions. It's like every year we can't wait for these contracts to expire. And then they just go out and get it. It's like the Avs have a garage sale and then just turn around and use that money by going to another garage sale. <laughs> and And the thing is... As we've said, each of these contracts in a vacuum are fine. If the Avs had not gone out and traded for Burkowski, if all they did today was sign Don Skoy and Belmare, we'd say, well, Belmare's not great. He's a fourth liner, but he'll fit into the lineup. And then there'd still be opportunity for someone like a Greer or a Cout to fit in. But the fact that they made all of these moves together, no room. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, that's also I a don't point see... that I've looked at, too. Is I mean the the first rule, like you like you said a few times, is 
you know, rule two is help the team. Rule one is don't harm the team. And when when you look at, you know, wh- whether the team is better with, you know, Carl Soderberg a 2023rd and, or a 2022nd and space to grow, or with Burakovsky keeping Colin Wilson and Belmar, it's like, I think it's a real wash. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know about that. Because you say, yeah, if you're signing Donskoy anyway, and then you're you pairing the, the, the other things together, I don't know. I honestly, I might have just preferred Soderberg and and keeping your assets. <laughs> it's, it's insane that 365 days before the draft, they've already decimated their draft class. And it's not just to get in prospects, which I don't think they're at the position they're at to just have no talent infusion. So please, God, hold on to that first. But what are they going to use to buy at the deadline? Like they have a whole year to get through where there might be opportunity or want or need to go out and get something. Like let's say the goalies blow up. They're going to probably have to go out and trade for a goalie. You would like that they would have assets available to do that. You know they're going to want to add something at the deadline. They don't have assets available for that now. It's just it's just a lot of needless spending. It smacks of doing stuff to do stuff. Yep. And you sure they I I'd characterize today as more underwhelming than terrible, so that's at least good. At least good they didn't spend Right. I mean eighty you, million dollars on a bunch of crap. But if you look at it like every move the Evs made today made them better than they were last year. Can you say but, that about Belmar really though? Yes. Belmar is yes. better than Gabe Bork. I can say that for certain. But how much better is a minuscule amount, right? They didn't really push anything over the edge here. Yeah. And and they've they're paying seven million dollars for fourth liners right now. Like right. Veteran fourth yeah. liners. And that second year for Belmar especially is uh, why, but so they're they didn't hurt the team except for maybe blocking some prospects, but they also didn't really help the team significantly either, unless the miracle of Burakovsky and Donskoy both panning out happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I, I think it's. It's incredible that, that they're probably going to end up paying their fourth line or fourth liners um, about one eighth of what they're going to be spending on salary this season. I mean, and, it just it, that's a ridiculous and, waste of money. What do you do here? Is Kamenev your thirteenth forward now? Or are you just giving up on that? I, I mean, I can see being like, well, I mean, he he's only played like three games in the last two years, so maybe we can't count on him. But I mean, you can't have a total block there either. You know, you've just got to have some faith that, you know, if he isn't ready, then there is someone else that you have internally that can fill that role. And saying that that guy is good at winning face-offs and is a great leader. And look, I know Belmare is a great player and and all that. And and he's, you know, he doesn't look 34 when he plays. So, I mean, the the age thing bothers me, but it's, it's not quite as much of a bother as it would be with some other guys. But... Just filling that role the way they did is—it's just very disappointing. Very disappointing is is what that was going to be before Earl disappeared. Whether that was because he dropped or because my 
Wi-Fi dropped. One or the other. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. Sometimes y'all will be mid-sentence and I'll just lose half the word. And it's because I'm on Wi-Fi. <laughs> I can still hear you, so... Yeah. Something must be working. Yeah, we didn't lose them entirely. <clears throat> that was just, a, just some... I was probably the only one that didn't hear that. So, um... But as, as we talk about... You know, what the Avs did do, it's it's also worth our time to look at what they didn't do. Because, I mean, obviously they were in on Artemi Panarin until the end. And uh, it sounded like Panarin left some money on the table to sign with the New York Rangers. So, I mean. I think it's crazy the Avs didn't start with offering a max term. I, I think that's mind-boggling, personally. Yeah, that, that's pretty preposterous. Um, you must be a great negotiator, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> I stay away from it. But I, I mean, <laughs> you knew that he was focused on New York and Florida. You knew it was going to take a big thing to get him to change his mind. Like, I don't think nibbling at negotiating was going to get Panarin's attention. I mean, if you look I, at I what Columbus said, offered and he turned down, then it, I, I think well, the, yeah, the decision was kind of made beforehand. It, okay, and then that that's fine. He If his mind's made up, his mind's made up. But... To hear that the Avs started with lower term is actually pretty hilarious. I, it is what it is. Uh, the Avs, I think, put their best offer on the table at the end of the day, and they didn't get him, and that happens. It's the problem that they didn't get him, they didn't get Lee, they didn't get Nyquist, they didn't get Furland, they didn't get... They have to go all the way down the list to Donskoy, and that's a few too far for me. As far as we know, Furlan still hasn't signed any place, but there's no room for him at the end here. Correct. Andersley stays on the aisle for seven years, seven million dollars. Nyquist goes to Columbus of all places for five point five million four years. And and those are the two. Both of them, I think. Some people don't like the term on Lee, but I was fine with it that the Avs were perfectly capable of offering them those contracts. In Nyquist's case, I think they were capable of offering him an even better deal monetarily potentially yes and well you didn't get them and it's also weird the abs are always done by like noon on july 1st and it's like there's still some of these guys out there why did you resort to just re-signing wilson filling that position w within the first two hours I, and seeing eh, some of these guys that haven't signed like furlin or johansson or who knows like in their five plans were set i mean it was a week Bargain. long it was a week-long tampering period, so they had their plans set already. You can disagree with their plans, which I do, but that was their plan, and, and they went with it. Yeah. But we I... always see, we talked about this earlier, some guys don't sign right away. Kind of when that first and second wave gets through, you can get some decent players on a pretty good bargain. Because it's like, okay, well, everyone's kind of has a chair in the mu musical chairs and some of these guys are available but it's like the Avs said okay well we're not getting any of the first tier so we're signing Wilson we're having a press conference we're done and they're probably already out on the lake I, the you know I, we've seen forever that the Avs pretty much target people like I, I'm sure they determined in May who they were going to talk to <laughs> and no I'm serious I mean I think at their organizational meetings in May they determined who they're going to talk to um, they talked to them during the tampering period. They made their offers and, you know, they didn't get creative when, you know, Panarin obviously wasn't interested. Um, you know, they, they didn't target the other guys we're all talking about and why they didn't 
know, there's no way to know. know that's why I think for the, a lot of people it, that that's why you know, I, think I, I don't think they're willing to just say, well, we, you know, this is the next guy in line. So let's talk, you know, let, let's go right. for him. I mean, they knew that they wanted, you know, guys one, four, six and nine, but not the others. I mean, they, and, you know, they're very focused on what they want. And that's what, that's why the Soderbergh and Burakovsky deals are linked. Yeah, they're yeah, focused. sure, right. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you there, and and despite us not knowing the reasons behind them not going after or getting some of these guys, it's still a problem for me, regardless. Right. Whether right. it's because they, they, they just chose be... not to, or because the team, the players wouldn't come, either of those are a problem, and they need to be fixed one way or another. Yeah, they have to be more flexible. They have to be able to you know, not just identify who they want to really focus on. They have to be able to say, like, you know, if if this happens, then then we try this, and then maybe there are these options left afterwards. And you know, it's it sucks not knowing exactly who you sign at two o'clock on July first, but um, but you have plans. You know, it's like that's your job it, is to make a big ass decision tree. If this well, happens, we I, no, I think they're they plan things too well. I, they're they're so rigid in their plans they can't. You know, they, they don't think well on their feet, and I'm projecting there, but <laughs> whatever it is. But no, you know, it, it, it just, it's just, if like... they don't get the guy they want, they just say, well, screw right. it, we'll sign Willie, and we're done. What they you're don't describing have any risk. is like a rigid plan that doesn't yeah. make a lot of space yeah. for contingencies. What I'm describing is specifically planning a lot of contingencies. Right. Oh, they okay. have plan A, and they have the safety valve. They don't have <laughs> plan B, C, and D. Well, it's like, yeah, they, they never want to sign anybody. They never want to do anything until they're forced. And then when they're forced, it's like it's like this hyper bunny rabbit. And they have to do it all at once, and then they're done. <laughs> That's why I seriously the- think they'll only sign prospects on like two days a year. Because they can only like comprehend doing it like twice a year. And the, and the main problem I have with it is, you know, they, they had an opportunity here... Right. You know, it's it's obvious they were targeting Donskoy and they got him and, and that's good. I mean, that's you know, that shows they can pull it off if they need to. Um, but it really looked like they're going to have an opportunity to, you know, to give some some of the younger guys a shot at some higher roles if need be. And I know they probably think they're already doing that by trying to figure out who's who's the second line center out of, you know, the guys that are already in the lineup and whatnot. And, you know, I, I understand for a coach like Bednar, that's that's probably not that fun, but. Um, you know, they could have really gone through some of the younger guys that, that weren't in the NHL lineup last year and given them a shot in camp. And it's just funny. They can't see much of a difference between what they're going to end up with, with Willie and and Belmar and what they could have dragged out of the AHL. It's just funny. They're not worried at all about giving Jost this role with really no fallback plan. They're not After worried it failed about miserably last year doing the same thing. Oh, but he had a they're good not... playoff, so he's a good player now. Right. <laughs> they're not worried about the Grubauer Francis tandem. Right. Even though Grubauer's never been a full starter. Francis has never even started a game in the NHL, I but mean, they they're... signed and sealed that when they signed Grubauer. I think, <laughs> exactly. But... They knew this a year ago, which which yeah. was a great idea, but we were all kind of like, well, you know. <laughs> Gonna need a little bit more information if you want to keep going with this plan, but no, they're perfectly fine with that. Not worried about it at all. But it's like if you have to play like Cowder Bowers or Greer or any of these guys from 
the toxic AHL for longer than five seconds, it's like, nope, we can't do that. It's it's just crazy. I guess, I guess the question is, what is Wilson a stopgap for? Yeah. Do they do they do they see Cowd as that guy in a year? Maybe. But yeah, he's I mean, going to have to play solution. this year to be that guy in a year. Yeah, but Willie he's always not gets gonna hurt, sit so meet. that's theoretically his end. <laughs> but okay, if he's the one that's called up when Willie goes down. Yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll someone wait will see be. about that. You've got like three other players who are going to be stepping in first, like Kamenev. Right. It's it's a it's a weird conversation to have, right? Because NHL teams do need depth. The problem is that depth should be your youth, not a bunch of guys you signed and overpaid. Right. You can't. I mean, you just you you can't make it a point to sign fourth liners. I mean, that's just you sign guys that can make an impact, and guys that win faceoffs and provide good leadership in the room. You know, it's a great concept, but you just you can't pay for that. It, and it hasn't bit them because they're not at the cap. But someday when they are paying Miko and Gerard and Makar and all these guys real money, they're not going to be able to have an $8 million fourth line. So what, it, what are we going to do to get there? And people say it doesn't matter. We're not there. It's like right now is when you start figuring out how to get players able to ascend and take roles not in five years when you really are at the cap and you need every penny barring disaster we will get there it's just mind-boggling to think well it's just not even planned for it because it hasn't happened yet yeah or just willing to wait a whole year just because you know things didn't exactly because go your reasons. way because reasons yeah or two years <laughs> or two so years. many things here are let's just kick the can down the road and yeah. And that's exactly what they do. Um, and what happens I mean, that, when we get to the can again, and it's, oh, well, we have to sign Landeskog, and we have to sign Gerard, and we have to sign Makar and McKinnon, and the next year it's someone else. There's always more stuff to be done. You have to eventually draw a line and say, we got to do the thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I am, you know, I am less concerned about not coming up with one of the the better free agents than I am with not leaving space for the younger players to move up. Well, it's, it's uh, a combination, right? Had we come up with some of the bigger free agents, you'd be a little bit more forgiving in leaving less space, but... I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, I, I would have gone for the one best player I could get and then used the rest internally. Yeah, I mean, I, however it breaks, but... You know, I, I I think the the backbone of this team is is fairly good. I don't think you needed to add a ton to it. Um, you know, I, I really like Donskoy just because I, I think someone that's a, that's a, got a decent two way game is something they really missed by not having Blake Como last year. I'm not saying that Como himself would have been good last year because obviously, I think he's not. the best move out of all of this. I yeah, think. Right. He only it, took I, money. I think that's a role they really missed last yeah. year. Yeah, he's and, a good player. That was a good signing. As we so, get into yeah, not complaining about Don Skoy. Definitely. Like as as we get into to grading each individual deal, like I'm leaning toward an A on the Don Skoy signing individually. He's a good yeah, player that too. the team needed at good value. And the term's not yeah, catastrophic. Yeah, I'm not that generous. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't like Don Skoy quite as much as Earl and I do. I don't, but I do think he is easily the best signing of the day. And he deserves the opportunity that the Avs could give him. I think he is the one that has the most potential to be an impact player for the Avs. Agreed. 
and then it, since we since I've kind of dragged us face first into grading, let's just stick with it. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, um, so how about Carl plus a second for Burakovsky, which is basically what that deal is. I hate it. I just yeah, and cannot and blah blah. blah. <laughs> the, the whole thing, I I just hate. I I understand they can't count on getting everybody in free agency. I just I really don't buy the optimism on Burakovsky. I think he'll be fine. I think he basically will be Wilson, which now great we have the original <laughs> and and the remix and not having Soderbergh when you know you're trying to win or whatever next year. I don't. I just don't like the end result of that. That it's. I think they lost way too much value. They lost value, in a way, on the Soderbergh side. They really lost value in the Burakovsky trade. It's just. Gonna hope you're it, gonna hope he's a he can at least outscore Soderbergh this year. That's the, that's step one. The thing is, I like the theory of the trade. Right. You're moving out, right? You're moving out an older player for pick value, and if you want to flip that pick value into a younger player with upside, that's fine. Sure. It's just where are your your values falling on a player like Burakovsky, and and like you, I'm not totally sold that the value is there. Yeah, that's the tough thing for me is having Burakovsky be such a question mark after. He's he's had plenty of time in the NHL to display what he is. Granted, yeah. no, it's it's an older team he's been playing for, and he's been stuck in the bottom six, and you know, probably not gotten to show what he can do as much as as he would like. I'm sure if, that's why if, he asked for the trade. But if Washington um, had qualified him and we signed him for say two years, I think that'd be fine. And still had Carl, and still had a second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, just, just kind of putting everything together like that is. I'm I'm with Rudo and that I like the idea, um, but you you fell face first into it and it, it's kind of a D for me. And then you still have to sign him, which I know they're left with so much cap space now. His contract's going to be inconsequential, but it's it's still probably going to be fairly high. I don't know if he's just going to accept his qualifying offer. Oh, I think he. I mean, he just saw Donskoy sign for three point nine, and Donskoy's never had a forty point season either. So if I'm him, I'm asking for four. <laughs> so five. It'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. So, so yeah, I agree. I, I'm sure they know how something... it plays out just because I'm sure they talked to him beforehand or had a you know had an idea of what. Well, you what just got to be willing to pay it, I, right? By doing the deal, you're basically saying we're at least willing to pay the qualifying offer. Right, they're not taking him to arbitration, you know. He could file, but no, I don't see them, like, actually No, going. they can't. I mean, you can't do that to a guy <laughs> you just uh, traded for. I mean, so, I mean, we've, we've <laughs> wanted them to get creative and actually do something more than, like, GM 101 to, yeah. to, to kind of get, get guys on the roster, but it's almost like this is their attempt as students of jamming. <laughs> I, I mean, I think, I mean, this whole thing boils down to basically how much upside Burakovsky really has. 
Yep. And I don't think a lot of us have a lot of confidence that he has a ton. And right. That, that's, I think that's the root problem here. Um, you know, if he turns out to be a 50-plus play, uh, point player, then, you know, we're just laughing. Um, it just doesn't seem like it's that's still a lot to give up. I don't know for, for it to, he'd have to be like I mean, William one year Carlson. Of Carl and, and you know, they were going to get nothing for him a year from now. So sure. But they basically didn't get much for him anyway. Uh, and to, to go back to Connaughton for a second, I think that he's basically a barbario replacement because I just don't think they have any confidence that he's ever going to be able to play in the NHL. But the problem is he's still year. here. Like we've yeah, well, we've been down this road. They can before. put him on IR. I mean, I I'm not worried about what happens to Barbaria. I don't think he's going to block him. I mean, well, I just I I don't know. We've said that time and time again. Like we still had to deal with Colborne. Like even though he got buried, it was out of sight, out of mind. It was at as much as we joked about it. It was truly an injury that got him an eye injury, or was it a concussion or an eye injury? I don't remember. But it was a concussion. Yeah, they and then he had the eye problem. That got him. My it's concern like, there is Bednar is going to see a defenseman with 300 games in the NHL, yep. and he's going to get that veteran itch. And see Ryan Graves with his 29 games, <laughs> and be like, okay, mm-hmm. like if Barbary was healthy and able to play, this if is you the can't same count on him, be- buy him out. Just why? Why do yeah, you have I mean, a guy? hanging around okay that you have I, I, to put somewhere sure. you have to put in the nhl and take up a spot they don't like carrying 8d so if he's in the nhl he's probably the seventh or in the ahl which you know if he's down there they're gonna play him a ton it's just like if he you can't count on him buy him out just i mean why? does it matter so, if you bury him instead yes like why? I think, of I think it does. he's either gonna be i mean he's either gonna be able to play in the nhl or he's gonna be on the that's we know that's how of, terrible I mean, they've it been is. doing that for two years now I mean, guys that have been buried in the ahl and just how garbage they are and how they're overplayed because you know you can just hear chris stewart going on and on about which nhl experience barbario has. chris stewart's barbario gonna hate barbario yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care exactly they the guy that was chris a good stewart player really. they don't care they don't care about turnovers or like he's actual performance you know he's just he's not i mean why every year do they have I to think bury he probably likes Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We just traded Kerfoot to the Leafs. Oh, no. Jesus, what? I have no details. This is Dreger. For Kadri? Unclear. No details. Yep. Um, okay, so we'll... Oh, I hate losing Kerf, but I like I like Kadri a lot. We'll get back to but this. But that has to be it, right? Like, <laughs> no, it doesn't. It does Breaking not news. Uh, we'll we'll get back to that once there's a little bit more to it. Um, yeah, but so very much wow, not happy. Drager with... was typing so fast he spelled Leafs wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that should be in there in like autocorrect, right? Especially <laughs> with being drags, we we've traded Kerfoot to King Lear. But yeah, as we wait for that to to shake out. Well, okay, so how much does be... this change this whole conversation? It doesn't. <laughs> well, well, as far as the defense Audrey? is concerned, none. It changes yeah, nothing. Exactly. No, but I mean the whole, you know, who's our second center and, and what's Burakovsky and, and Donskoy going to do? Yeah, I it mean, does change that a lot. But Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Kerfoot, it, 
he provided for like we just said he's a 40 point player he's arguably the fourth best forward still on this team and Kadri uh, will be the fourth best forward again well okay if it's way better than Kerfoot. <laughs> we sure don't is. know that we don't know that it's Kadri yet we should probably yeah. not speculate on it until we know okay. a little bit more uh but fair e- even well, with this congrats guys now you get a live reaction yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you the, see like, how the magic happens. Even if it is that high end, like it makes it even sillier that that Carl was traded for Burakovsky. Like it makes it more even more just doing stuff. Like yeah, you that didn't is weird. need to do that. <laughs> so anyway, um retaining Colin Wilson, I, I give that a middle of the road C individually. I think it's a perfect C down the line, yeah. Yeah, I give him points. I, I, I subtract points for resigning the same guy who you know is, has some flaws, but you get points for giving I him a I must give it an salary. incomplete. I don't think it's even a real move. It's just a punt. It's, an incomplete. I like that, actually. That's fine. I'm cool with that. It's a punt, yeah. And then the last deal, Pierre-Edouard Belmar. I, I will give it an F plus. The plus is because <laughs> it is an improvement over Gabe Bork. The F is because yeah. it's totally unnecessary. Uh, yeah, it, even with Belmar being what he is as a solid fourth liner, it is an F. The, yeah, the amount of problems he causes just by existing and blocking prospects is unacceptable. Yeah, it's tough for me because he's, you know, he's a guy that I've liked from afar. And, you know, I know he's a great guy. I know, you know, he'll be helpful and he's definitely better than Gabe Bork. Um, but it's just the problems of him being in the lineup disturb me. And it's just, I don't like the thinking that you have to go out and buy guys like that. Yeah, it's just, I agree with you. It, I don't know. It's As a fourth liner, he's fine. But it's just like, why are we even having that discussion? Right. We're saying a fourth liner's fine. It's. Here we it's go. Just, it's another. Okay, what? Tyson Berry and Alex Woo! Kerfoot, a 2026 for Kadri, Cali Rosen, Toronto's third in 2020, and Colorado is retaining 50% on Barry. Not bad. Rosen's not bad either. Uh, what's, but Kadri oh, is... what's Kadri's. 4.5 um, for three years. Okay. Yeah, and, Kadri's and on like, an amazing contract. Is that you can count on him to miss half of the playoffs, though, being suspended. Yep. The fact so we that they went out back? and got Rosen is a little weird because now Connaughton yeah. is fucking worthless now. <laughs> oh, he's a D? I don't know Rosen at all. I don't he's a 46 points in 54 games in the AHL last year and got a handful yeah. of NHL. But we don't have Barry well. anymore. Right. So. But you just drop Rosen in and Connaughton, it's like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> wow. That's... I don't know if you. I, I don't think they'll put Rosen right in the, the NHL, but I mean, he's. He's a guy that you'd like to have in your system. Season uh, okay. So the, yeah, the, all right. The Leafs get the best player in this deal. Um, yeah. Uh, that's funny that it was framed as Kerfoot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got Kerfoot. <laughs> this is officially the Kerfoot trade, not the Barry trade. <laughs> I'm so glad I waited for my video to be the last thing I do today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is such a disaster. And I'm glad you. I'm glad we waited to have you on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
we haven't even talked about the Tononato trade either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that solves your 2C problem. There you go. Bingo, bango. So All right. there's that. So now Belmar you've got, makes you like no sense now. Not but that's all. fine. So, you, so now you've got Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen, and you've probably got Burakovsky, Kadri, Donskoy. Yep. I'm and then you're looking you've at got Jost, Landy, Confer, Mac, Wilson, somebody, probably. Then Kadri and Miko on the second line. Yeah, sure. You can move Burakovsky or Donskoy right. up to the first, whatever. The top six, it's it's fluid, but those okay. six. Yep. And then, yeah, probably like Jost, Comfer, Wilson, or if you want to, you could throw Nieto on there to get him away from Calvert, and then do Wilson, whoever, Belmare, or yeah, Kamenev, okay. and, and, <laughs> and, and so Calvert. Re- retaining 50% on Barry does not affect the Doesn't matter. to me at all. No. Doesn't matter to not us at all. Yeah. One year? No. Yeah, one year, who cares? <laughs> We're not yeah. spending it anyway. <laughs> exactly. We've got more than enough this year. And Especially the... if they're apparently not going to extend them. Rosen's... I, I would guess Rosen's they can't, a really you know? weird one. Yeah. Rosen's 25. Okay. Yeah, he's an, he's an older guy. I just, I don't know anything about him, so I, I really can't say where he... I've heard his name out of Sting Dangle's mouth a few times. Yeah, That's all same. I know about him. Same. <laughs> All right, to hockey reference. What is a Cali Rosen? Hey, we got a third back, so yay! There we go. Yay! Success. We did give away the sixth we got from Broussard, though. <laughs> ah, who cares? Right. Really? Cali yeah, Rosen has eight games in the last two seasons. Ten shots on a... goal, minus six in those eight games. He had a really good AHL year. He had 46.7 goals in 54 AHL games this is year. Is he a righty or a lefty? He is a lefty. He's yeah. left. But plenty of those dudes play right because everyone shoots left. Right. Yeah, oh, everyone, I know. The abs everyone shoots left in the minors. I know the abs don't care that much. Which is interesting because... Toronto does. Well, the Avs are one of the weird organizations them. where they have more righties than lefties, so <laughs> it's nice to get lefties. Well, we're. Yeah, nah, Barry's gone I now. Mean, still, but... I mean, you know. That got... does make the defense interesting, especially with Cole and maybe not EJ still. You you pretty much have Zadorov and Sam and Makar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is and that more of an opportunity for Byron? No, i I really think Rosen is... They intend to play I don't think it's a coincidence that Rosen is in this deal, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's he's old enough. um, You know, I mean, that season... Like, his season in the AHL last year... And what's his contract situation? Rosen's? I don't know at all. I'd have to look. Boy, Leafs fans who didn't like Jake Gardner... Wait till you get a hold of this guy. Oh, baby. <laughs> He's got one more year on this current deal, this year and next year, at 750 and he will expire as a UFA. I don't get the Leafs adding Barry, quite honestly. Like, it's just a dump cadre salary, I think, honestly. No, this is good. I, I, I want to I like guess this. that's, like, that's super weird, because they took on Kerfoot, and they're going to have to pay him. Yeah. Right. Like now. Yeah, he's not going to be free. <laughs> yeah, he needs a deal. 
I mean, I'm, I'm totally Maybe. fine with dealing Kerfoot. That, like, he's, he's, I like he's a good player, Kerfoot, but he's I, I would have preferred to keep him. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't... I mean, when you can get Kadri, um, uh, this just... Yeah, I, I think this is the kind of deal they, they had to make with Barry to get a lot of value out of yeah, it. To be able to, I agree. I think they had to stack it up a little. Mm-hmm. I... It would feel yeah, a lot better if that was maybe a second or a first round pick. Yeah. It feels like they has probably paid a little bit, but they're getting three years of Kadri, which is very nice. Yes. I think that's just a perfect fit. Yeah. I guess you just have to, if you think that Kadri is a, a big upgrade on Kerfoot, I think that's yeah, what yeah. I think it, it comes very down to. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's a third, I mean, he's a 30 goal scorer. This yep. is a guy who scored as much as Kerfoot did playing on the third line last year. I don't have a problem using Barry because I thought with an expiring contract, his value was kind of yeah, I, I get iffy, that. I guess you could say. So I don't, I mean, on the surface, giving up Barry and Kerfoot feels like it's a lot. Right, exactly. But like I said, it comes down and to your feelings about Kadri. If you think he's a huge upgrade, and he's signed for three years. Well, it's that, and if Rosen steps in and is is a solid like sixth D for us, then that makes me feel better about it too. Not that I feel bad about it. I'm I'm for this. This is more or less the trade that I made in my be a GM. So got one right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trade they needed to make because I didn't I didn't think they were ever going to sign Barry. So I you know. It's always going to be tough with a Newport guy. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, it was it was always going to depend on how motivated he was to stay. Because um, I just, you know, I, I think if he wanted to go wherever he wanted to, that the, you know, it would be tough for the Abs to really match that. Can the Leafs sign him? That'll be interesting. Or the Leafs can be able to extend him. He'll be cheap next year with the retained. But are I mean, they going to try Marner to sign him? In- Offer sheet. I'll have plenty of. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll miss Barry and Kerfoot, even though Barry was never like my favorite, but he was an app for a long time. I hate it just because he's, he played so well at the end of last year and in the playoffs. I mean, this is... know, he actually became a first, you know, a top D for the first time. I mean, he's been asked many times to fill that role. He was able to do it this time. This is good. They ripped the band-aid off. They didn't it drag is. it out. I mean, it's kind of cool. Like, you know, right, right here, you know, in the Avs timeline, they have them saying goodbye to Varley, which we didn't get any for as an expiring UFA. And we, we've taken care of two expiring UFAs right here this week. <laughs> the um, Avs made four trades this week. <laughs> I know. That's like the busiest week of Joe's career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no, that's, that's something I've trades. really I've, I've wanted to think about, like, you know, why, why now um, that they suddenly just start trading like food? Because um, they know UFA sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As no, evidence. I mean, you know, it, it, you know, we didn't talk about the Toninato trade, but it's like, you know, getting Jacob McDonald for, an ex, you know, not an expiring contract, but a, an unsigned RFA like Toninato. Um, McDonald is going to take Warsawski's role, and I know that doesn't get a lot of people jazzed, but it's it's something they would have had to do in free agency that they took care of by just trading away a guy that they you know they 
probably didn't have big plans. Um, Which I think is fine. yeah, I mean, I think it's a good use of the asset. So... And clutters the centers a little bit in the AHL, which we'll see if they clutter them back up. Right. Why couldn't we make this trade before free agency? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe it... them striking out got them more Leafs desperate. thought they were landing a big fish. Yeah, they had, they had um... lots of room for that. <laughs> Do the Leafs fans love Kadri? I don't even know. The, they probably... the Leafs no. fans... They uh, hated Kadri after this playoffs. They were yeah. so done with him. They, they appreciate Kadri. They think he's a super skilled player who's really given a lot to the Leafs, and they are fucking sick of him getting suspended in the playoffs. <laughs> the reactions I'm seeing from what little bit of Leafs Twitter I follow is mostly, you know, happy trails, you know, m much love. Um, but the general sense that I've always seen to Kadri has been... That's enough. You're hurting the team in the playoffs. Get out of here. <laughs> well, they're good, two good players, I think. So, yeah, I I think it'll be really interesting to follow it, Barry in Toronto. To be honest, I think <laughs> yeah. a little bit of that Kadri edge is something the Avs really needed anyway. Yeah, so. that's, that's why everyone was so hot on picking up Furland. Yeah. That's why we, we wished that Wayne Simmons was three years younger. Exactly. He got $5 million, um, by the way. Yeah. Only, only one year, but $5 million. It's quite a lot to pay to someone that tore their pelvis just two years ago. Tore their <laughs> pelvis? <laughs> um, I, it, it's going to take a while to process all this, but I really, you know, I, I think... With everything now, it's again. I, I still don't like buying fourth liners, but what they've done as far as sort of they've remaking been more the top creative. Six, yeah, they've been more creative for sure. This made this day better. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I I, agree I don't think that. what we've said has been invalidated. No, I think a lot what we went through still stands. I think it makes the Belmore situation even worse, to be honest, <laughs> but. <laughs> But you yeah. solved the problem that you hadn't solved up to this point, so that's good. Right. Yeah. There, there is a two yeah. C now, and he had a you know he only scored sixteen goals last season. He was under fifty points for the first time in a while, but he was also very much role limited because he's playing behind Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, like a million guys. Yeah, yeah he was a sixty point player before they went and got Tavares and made the one two super C thing. So. Yeah. So I like he's definitely got a lot to give and his his he's not as underpaid as Nathan McKinnon, but he's a very value contract. Yeah. Um you know, it'll be interesting to see it, I know it sounds weird to say, but sort of unshackled in Jed, Jared Bednar's system. Um, <laughs> that does sound weird. How close was this when the Avs traded Carl Soderberg? That's were they confident that they were going to get this done? No. I, I can't it, imagine that. That's what I want to know, like, because then you can keep Carl, you, and then have that for another year, and you with that you don't have Burakovsky, and then, what are you looking at, like, now you don't have any reason at all to, to pick up Belmar? I mean, we're, we're realistically looking at... 
a second line of three players that were not on the Avs yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's the Belmar situation is still just it's weird at best and mind-boggling at worst. Joe had his co- press conference before this today. They always do that. They always So did, so did Dubas that. too. Like, I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. That's that's some troll move. <laughs> so maybe I, I I don't think any of us hate this. I think all I don't think any no. of us just love it. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean there's a lot going on here. It's hard to love or hate it. Yeah, right it off just the bat. happened. We probably should have been like, let's pause and think about this for a minute, but that's no fun. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no. reactions are good. I, I know. You guys listening probably loved it. <laughs> I, I definitely <laughs> yeah. like it. I will definitely put myself on this is a positive in sig- a significant way. I'm what, willing to do that. Once Johnson and Ian Cole return to the lineup, the abs are better. With Kadri and without Tyson Berry. Yeah. Here's an interesting take from Dom. Uh, Kadri and Berry were both luxuries to their old teams, longer, no longer needed. A sensible swap of talent with the Leafs getting a defensively sound center <laughs> to replace Kadri to boot. Oh boy. See what the twins have done to the internet. <laughs> oh my god, that's true. That all makes sense now. It's the only reason why they did that. Thank you, Evolving Wild guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for Selkie candidate Alex Kerfoot. I will be interested to see what he signs for in Toronto. Less yeah. than 4.5 million. <laughs> well, yep. well they've, they don't have a lot of space to, to do it, and they still have Mitch Marner as well. It's a, always have Mitch Marner. As it's well. an interesting fit for Kerfoot too, because he's gonna be the three C. Like that's all right. they're asking of him. He, this is probably a good fit for him, which means he'll be really productive, and everyone will be like, "How dare you trade that guy that had all these points?" <laughs> that's so. That's happening. Well, when Kadri scores sixty, it'll be fine. Yeah. Um. Jared Bednar has a little bit of work ahead of him. Figuring out how to take advantage of another line that can score um, that that isn't like super defensively sound. It's going to yeah. be interesting. We'll see how just how defensive Burakovsky can be. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. So what we were going to do was run down oh. some of the other forwards that the Avs didn't add in free agency that they maybe could have to fill out the second line. Yep. We don't need any more. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to I do want to specifically mention a couple of them cuz some of them were were names that the uh Avs faithful were interested in. For some reason there were some of you that wanted the Avs to pick up Corey Perry if he was cheap on one year and Dallas jump on that grenade. Thank you Dallas. Yeah. Um, Joe Pavelski also goes to the Stars for $7 million over three years. A lot of you would have done that. I would not have. Yeah, that's... I, I might have. I would have done Perry instead of Bill wouldn't Mayer. have done the Pavelski thing if I knew we were getting Kadri. Right. Yeah. This is without Kadri. Like, if, if you haven't traded for Kadri yet and you add Pavelski, then you're sitting, in, sitting here going, you know... I don't love it, 
the third year is scary, but I, I'm a big fan of Joe Pavelski and I like it right now. That's that was what my reaction would be. And that he's gone to that fucking team. And it's really weird because I... <clears throat> That's no fair. I, though, well, I, I think Coach Montgomery's system and the way that the Stars have played last year under him, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to A, add older guys that are not that quick. Um, because he's got a very sort of trap counterattack kind of, you know, quick on pucks type of um, system. And I just, it's, it's just seems like a weird fit. Like if Spezza didn't fit in that offense, then sort of why are they picking up uh, guys that are at similar stages of their careers? And I, I realize that you know, obviously Pavelski's got a, a very good skill set at scoring that they had a problems with last year but it's like you know if if ben and sagan aren't scoring as much as they used to that should tell you all you need to know about your offensive problems like adding in other guys that score more isn't going to help when it's so more systemic problems <clears throat> another name of interest to the avalanche is Simeon varlamov he's gone to the islanders for five million over four years He's 31. He's getting that fourth year. He's going to be under Mitch Korn, so I'm curious to see what happens there. That came down, of course, after Robin Leonard went to Chicago. Yeah, don't love Leonard in division, but glad Varley's this not is, in division. The one-year deal is kind of weird. Yeah, that, that, for, yeah. for Leonard, the five million one year is funky. That was a plan C for him, at least, you know? For sure. Uh, yeah. He was definitely looking for something a longer term, hopefully in Long Island, but that, you know. But it's funny that Varley got four years, $5 million, but like he wouldn't take that. Yeah, I, I mean. From the Islanders. There's something weird going on there. I, and I'm I'm really going to be interested to see how Varley sort of holds up under this deal. Uh, yeah, how his body does. Right. He he's gonna have a really good year or two with if if he can work with Mitch Korn, but then it's then what yeah. after that? I I think Co I mean I think technically he'll be fine. It's just this is what we always wondered like you know what was the end game with Farley gonna be? We keep him forever until he just blew up or you know how long was he gonna last as a goalie? Um, you know we're really getting to the point where you're like how much longer? Is so. He goes to, to the aisle where Anders Lee stayed, so there's a lot of... There's, I think there should be a lot of pretty happy Isles fans today. Although they they can't be thrilled about losing Leonard, though. Well, they're going to be bad about the Panarin stuff. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he was an Islander yesterday, but when the dust settles... That's what you get hmm. for believing rumors that aren't official yet. That's just tough. Like, any time when something... like the, the Rangers getting him just a kick in the nuts. Meh. The Wild's perplexing summer continues. So they gave Matsukarello six million dollars yeah. for five years. Apparently, Steph hasn't hasn't read this quote yet. So, <laughs> I just the only thing crazier than the trade we just made might be this quote from Paul Fenton <laughs> <laughs> on Matt Zuccarello. Quote: I told him when I was talking to him that he's like a lizard. The way a lizard takes his tongue and sticks it as far as it does and retrieves what it was trying to do. End quote. And he still signed. Yeah. 
it's all about the Benjamins. Paul Fenton's oh. on drugs. <laughs> he has the weirdest quotes. And not the good ones. Who wants to bet that Paul Fenton has a magic eight ball on his desk? <laughs> <laughs> That's a li- What does that even mean? Jesus. I mean, I can yeah. see the analogy. Okay. I can see what he's saying, but it's just odd you to can? vocalize that and and then tell other. Yeah, kind of. You know, I don't. I don't want to get us off track, but the more I keep thinking about it, the more I like this cadre deal. <laughs> Cap friendly took away our pick for their sixth back for Broussard. They better put that back, yo. The we second just gave he it to the Leafs. We, we just traded it to the Leafs. Oh, okay. Yeah. But we got a third, so it's an upgrade. Yeah. Yep. We gave up a third for a sixth. Which we then gave up for a third. (laughs) No, wait. I think they took our own sixth away. Yeah. Yeah, It has to be because we still could sign Broussard. We technically don't have that other sixth So they better give us our Broussard pick back. I will not rest. (laughs) I'm sure there's a a time limit on it, but as soon as Broussard signs somewhere else, which which could be never, so I don't know if we, you know, (laughs) they would hold it hostage that long. At least slap it on there with a condition. (laughs) If he's not signed by next year's draft, I think I think we it's could have it. Probably December first or something like. That. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the only other crazy thing that happened today, I guess, is the actual real life offer sheet. Yeah. Yes, that's crazy. That truly, that that one is crazy. That's. And I've got, I've got a tinfoil hat theory on this one, big time. <laughs> so let's talk Good, about the offer sheet really first, this. and and then we'll talk <laughs> about the tinfoil hattery. Um, R- Rudo, do you happen to have the details of that up? Because I do. Uh, I forget the exact number, but Montreal uh, gave a offer sheet to Sebastian Ajo for five years. It's eight point four five four. It's like one hundred dollars under the next tier up of compensation. Right. Meaning, if they actually give Montreal the player, it would be a first and a second and a third that they give up. Yeah. And it's like, it's too low. The the Canes are going to match it. I've, I've There's no up, doubt. Pull this up on CanesCountry.com. Finally, it's the Carolina SBN site. Um, what was interesting about this was that it's the this actual salaries league minimum, where all the money is is in signing bonuses between 5.25 and 11.3 million. Yeah. Which is front-loaded, unlike uh, Timo Meyer, who's... Signed for four years, and that fourth year is $10 million. Yep, and that's backloaded to get a big qualifying offer. Exactly. In case it's... Um, um, I, I just... They're not going to get the players, so what? what's the point here? It's... Yeah, Carolina's going to match my tinfoil that. hat. Carolina's GM okay. came out like, well, we might not take... Like, we might take all seven days to match this, because... <laughs> I mean, you can't make any more deals before you haven't, you know, when you don't know what's going to happen, basically what yeah. he said. And then uh, Carolina's Twitter put up a poll that was like, are we going to match this offer? Yes, or we? <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's your theory? Because I'm not seeing any logic here. Okay. Tinfoil um, on? Tinfoil on? We ready? Yeah. Okay, Rick Dudley, the senior VP of hockey operations for the Canes, was in the was in the same role with the Canadiens for uh, five or six years uh, before he was hired by the Canes last year. 
So there, you know, he obviously knows a lot of people in the Habs organization. Um, so he, he would have the contacts to to maybe say like, you know, do this and do that. He'll he'll probably sign this offer sheet and then we can match and you know yada 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 and maybe they get a little backwashing down the road. Um, it just it doesn't make much sense for the Habs because they're never going to get the player and it's easy for the Canes to match, but they were so far apart and actually getting a deal done that this facilitates that. So this See, you almost think it's like ultimately a benefits the Canes and the Canes only really. So you think it was like a favor? Yeah. Because like they, I saw some quotes, like they said, we don't have to spend all summer negotiating with him. This makes our job easy, blah, blah, blah. And that was just so glib to say that, like, within five seconds of it happening, that it just, it's, it's almost like they knew it was going to happen this way. So, um, I just wouldn't choose to offer sheet him because, right, it, is there any reason why you think they wouldn't match? It's just, it doesn't make sense. Like, the Marner to rumors, get the deal done always made sense because there is a limit to what the Leafs can do. Yeah, but you'd see, assume he'd have to sign like a $13 million offer sheet or something. See, my tinfoil head, I think, is a little bit more based in reality. <laughs> <laughs> Where Bergevin can now say, well, I tried, tried, guys. Yeah, But I mean, he made trades. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. I mean, he only made trades because Chicago had the biggest hard-on ever to get their old players back. Yeah, I mean, the, this is just it's why easy Alfred to see Keats... how they were setting up to, you know, sign him if if he indeed did accept this offer. But, um, you know, the, what they end up getting out of it is, you know, they got rid of Shaw, which, you know, Shaw was pretty good for them last year. I doubt he would ever match that production again. So they get rid of Shaw to Chicago, get some good draft picks back. Make a splash on free agent day without signing any free agents, and the Canes get their man. This it just seems silly. It's the, this is why the offer sheets are dumb because you you don't get the player. So who cares? <laughs> <laughs> that's it, it. It's more interesting than a holdout. That's for sure. I mean, everyone's interested in it because it happens so rarely. But it's just kind of at the end of the day, so what? And it's like, does this impact Miko? I mean, it's a comparable if he signs a five-year I mean, deal, which I hope he doesn't. That's he what's will. interesting that, about it. Not really. How does it affect Miko Rantanen? I think he'll be pretty close to this. Because what we've been saying, I, and by we, I mean like the whole hockey world, has been saying as after the season ended was, you know, RFAs could go, you know, September or onward, all waiting for that first domino to fall. Well, but you have to look at the term. It's the five-year term. I the Avs should absolutely should not settle for a five-year deal with Miko either. I mean, make that, it, it at least seems six. Like all RFA's you now are one you five years. You're not doing just, your job. You're not doing your job if if that's. I mean, if they're not going to sign a deal of eight, at eight years, no matter what, then I just don't see what what you can do about it. I mean, well, it, there's if, seven. There's six. Not five. Four or five <laughs> is unacceptable. It just. You, Joe has to do better than that. Just flat out, he has to do better than that. Five years. I mean, if is the agent is enough. telling you like we're gonna we're gonna be signing a five year deal, like we can negotiate the salary from now until whenever we come together on it. I mean, if the agent says that to you, what are you gonna do? I mean, that's well, just then the you're not it signing it. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, what, you just signing. don't play him? Just say, okay, sorry, we don't um, want you. I mean... <laughs> really worked out I mean, for Nylander, did that? I, I I don't have a problem with a five year deal at all. I do. I have a massive problem with the five year deal. I know. Deal. It's you want the security of an eight year deal, but it's just I, I, don't I didn't think... say eight, just not five. If they can't negotiate even a six year deal, he's not doing his job. You I mean just... if the player's dead set on five and you're you're well, sitting there on six dead and set is... on a lot of stuff and... what's I you can pay Rand whatever you want now. It, yeah. yeah, that too. Like, it, there's a number. A, there is a number that will satisfy. I, I just, I think you're looking at it like the Avs don't want an eight, a, a six, seven, eight-year deal, and I don't think they have a problem with I'm, a five-year deal. No, I'm, they should have a problem with a five-year deal. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think teams are fine with five-year deals because it keeps the average, average value down. You don't want these guys being a UFA. If you get Miko on a five-year deal, you've set your window. Your window is five years now, period. Okay, but you're implicitly stating there that you don't have any confidence you'd be able to re-sign him again. It's a pretty big gamble. I'm just saying, if if you think that your organization is going to treat him well and he's going to want to stay, then I I don't think there's a big deal about having to renegotiate in four years. You really want to try to time you them. You want to bet on that. Like the, the main thing here is you don't want this to come up at the same time as basically any other core player. Right. Well, McKinnon's four years. Yeah, it'll be the year after Mac's new contract. And so, the other thing is it's just stupid. They can pay more now. Right. Why would you want to pay more then when you have to pay McKinnon $12 million? Like, pay me go I mean, 10 you're going to have to pay now. a lot no matter what. I mean, that's just <laughs> the way it is. <laughs> so suck it up and pay I mean, him 10 I mean, now. I really don't, I don't think the Avs have a problem giving Miko a lot of money. You they, know? They may now, have to do it five, to reach the salary floor. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like now, five years from now, I mean, it's like Miko is the kind of guy you have no problems paying. Exactly. And I think Joe's made it pretty clear that, like, you know, the way he looks at himself and Forsberg and Patrick is the same kind of way he looks at McKinnon and Ranton. Then it, and it's like, he doesn't these need are to top players in the league that you pay for. What is he waiting for comparables for then? Just pay your guy. I mean, if you can save money, save money. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm not, like, I, the Ranton and Deal I'm just not worried about at all. At it'll all. get done, it'll be what it is, and he'll go kill it for the abs, and it'll be great. Right. It just can't be four or five years. <laughs> what? Absolutely not. What? Why? Absolutely not. As long as it doesn't take him to UFA, I don't care. If you have to pay well, him a billion dollars would. later, I mean, look at the. You just had Kadri for the next three years. So Your goal is to win a cup saying, before Kadri's gone. Anyway. Okay. So, so rebuild in three years. <laughs> Signing Rantanen does not equate no, to rebuild, but I'm not going to get into no. this conversation. <laughs> well, if you're saying Kadri's going to be gone in three years, so you better win now. That pretty much is saying rebuild in three years. Like, no, because they if Kadri's gone in three year years, then Alex Newhook takes over at 2C. <laughs> they can have a 10-year window, a decade-long window, whatever, if they, if they do these things right. They can't, if, if they start doing things to limit themselves, because that's the thing, you have to, if you can pay some of Miko's long-term value now, then you're not paying it when you have to re-sign him or he's gone. Yeah, but the salary cap's going to be much higher in five years. You, d- you just don't know how much. So then pay him $10 million bucks or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure if they offered him 
eight by ten, and he wanted to take it, it would have been done already. I don't know about that. This is the Avs. They don't do eight-year deals. They've also or okay, seven by ten contract this high. I, I bet it makes them uncomfortable to think about going up to ten million dollars. It might. This conversation is giving me stress hives. Yeah. I'm just saying, if we're doing this show and he either either is not signed by the time we do the next show, or it's a four or five year deal, not good. That's just we've been saying since December not to be surprised if it goes till at least September. Yeah, yeah. I'll worry about it when it's opening night and he's not on the roster. Right. (laughs) Yeah, if he's not there the last week of camp, then then I'm gonna start because. I mean, it's just it, when you don't have arbitration to set a, a, a date to get business done by, this is just what you have to deal with. with good players coming off ELC. And, I, and yes, we would obviously would love to, to put Miko down for whatever over eight years today. But if that's not what happens, I'm not going to yeah. lose sweep either. Like, if, it could go all summer. And that's fine. We probably will. It will. <laughs> but this will help because this is a very good comparable for Miko. And on a five year deal. <laughs> Whatever, you know, on a five year deal, yeah. So the market has been set somewhat. The first domino has fallen. So th- this will help everyone else get their deals done in some fashion. Okay, so now that we've we need to wrap this show, but there's been a whole humongous trade. Let's take a minute and make sure I haven't missed anything from my plus and minus list as I build it. So the Avs are adding Burakovsky, adding Kanaki, they're adding Donskoy, which I can't spell. They're adding Belmar, which I can spell. It's the Pierre it's the Pierre Edward part I can't spell. They, yeah, the Jonas part, the the Jonas part of Donskoy is my. That's gonna be tough. You, you can't spell J O O. No, just remembering what order the letters go in when I'm typing really fast. It's it's. Casual. Well, they add Rosen. They add Leafs twenty twenty third. Enter a whole bunch of times. They lose Soderberg. They lose Kerfoot. They lose 2022nd. They lose 2026th. What else? Barry. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the, the big part? The big part, yeah. No, the, the big part's Nazem Kadri. We're, we're, we're Avs fans here. Yeah. Toninato. <laughs> I guess that counts. We... I mean, that means I gotta put fucking McDonald on the other side. <laughs> now, I think the funny thing is, is now we've had three different 2023rds. <laughs> right? We just can't decide which one we want, which is fine, because apparently the Avs can't pick in the third. Uh, that's the life when you're a wheeler dealer, you know? <laughs> well, all these different picks will be part of the trade trees. <laughs> yeah, so that in, you have Burakovsky, Kanat, and Donskoy, Belmore, Kadri, Callie Rosen, Toronto's 2023rd round pick, and Josh McDonald. Out, you have Tyson Berry, Carl Soderberg, Alex Kerfoot. 2022nd, 2026th, and Dominic Toninato. That's a big day. Yeah, it's a it, lot of stuff. 
It's it's yeah. I mean, it's it's really going to take a little while to process this, and I I don't think it you you actually will be able to fully process it until you know a week or so into camp. Well, it's it's definitely interesting. It's not boring, and 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 well, like I kind of said while we were talking about it, I think I like the deal. Like it's, I don't think that anybody's getting like heavily fleeced here people keep throwing in the salary no. retention like it's a big deal and it's just fucking nah. not it doesn't matter what is it? i mean it's like 2.75 million dollars yeah folks, i guess i could have given us I mean, another pick for the retention yeah like i said but, it would have been a bit better if that pick was a second instead of a third or a first um, maybe it's a third instead of a fourth because of the retention we don't know yeah true right sure it i just value wise, I'm saying, but yeah, definitely. Like, if you I, get that out of the third, it's good. And it's, I don't want to nitpick the trade because Kadri is going to be just the perfect answer to all of our problems. And Rosen, I think, is going to have a legit chance to play in the NHL if he can earn a spot in camp. Barry had that something had to be done, and they did it. Kerfoot, yeah, that hurts a little bit, but Kadri's way more of an answer than he would have ever been so yeah so the bottom line is they got a new second line which is what they they needed a second line they needed a real one so so they went and got the entire second line that yeah Yeah. that's kind of the bottom line and that part of it i think is thumbs up yeah and you give about the other you're giving a bona fide 55 point player to drive that line and all of a sudden you know what maybe there's a little bit of something you can get out of burakovsky yeah i'd i'd say that's is fair makes it a little bit more likely to have hope there yeah and the what we've been asking for by you know sort of adding to the lineup as as we wanted to see it is to push guys down from the top rather than you know pushing guys up from the bottom and you know, adding Kadri finally makes that a little more viable. So as we work towards kind of signing off of this show, uh, with with everything taken together, how how do we finally assess this day? Um, like, I don't know if you want to grade it or score it, but how are you feeling about <clears throat> it just kind of generally? Maybe a B? I, I'm trending positive, but there's a lot to think about, to sort out and a lot that will need to come together on the ice, but yeah, I, if we're talking about just today or just kind of the off season and in general, but I feel the same way. I think we went through a lot of the issues, but at the end of the day, I'll give it a positive nod. I, I was at about a C minus and then Kadri brought it up at least a full letter grade. Yeah. I, I think, I think when we were all looking, I mean, the the problem that we've had with the last week is that the glaring hole in the lineup was something that wasn't addressed and wasn't possible to address. And was actually agency. made worse because they dumped Carl. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like they lost their second line center and there weren't any second line centers available once, you know, the Philadelphia deal happened. So, you know, it, it really, you know, that, that part was head scratching and now it makes a lot more sense. Um, you know, for me to really jack the grade up, I'm gonna have to see how it works. But you know, I'm 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 ready to give it a, a higher letter grade myself. So um, I'll, I'll go as high as a B plus. But if you knew, it, it is a hindsight thing. But if you knew yeah. this was happening, did you need to do as much of the other stuff? 
I don't know because I haven't really looked. I, I haven't been able to think about so, it enough. So here's it's the really thing. Weird. I th- I think getting Kadria actually makes the Donskoy and Burakovsky moves better. It does. Right. It, but it, it makes it the Benomare one even worse yeah. somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Wilson too. It just it's such a do something to do something. Yeah, I don't that's I mean Wilson's weird, but I, I just it's such an abs thing to do that I, I I you know, I can't feel bad or good about it. It's just that's something that happens, you know. Not, nothing's going to make the Belmare deal feel better. You know, again, and it, it sucks cuz I do like the guy a lot, but it's just, it's just not a smart thing to do. All right. Well, that sounds like as as a whole we kind of average in the low B area on the day. Maybe somewhere in the 8.2, 8.3 out of 10 range. I think that's accurate. Fair. Yeah. I, I think Earl brings the average up a little bit. Because I'm Mr. Positive. Sure <laughs> <are>. <laughs> But unless anyone else has anything else to come up with, whew, I've been talking for like seven hours. I'm about done. Yeah. I need to geek out on some stats. <laughs> <laughs> so you should obviously expect the um, the two A prospect ranking show to happen again sometime over the summer. I don't know what their schedule is on that, and I don't think they soonish. do. Soonish. I think soonish. We try to get at least one a month, and the, yeah, the ranking show should be at least within the next week or two. So you can find out whether uh, this player I know nothing about is better than that player I know nothing about. I think he's too old. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Burgundy Radio will return as usual in uh, early September for the training camp kind of preview. We'll have a lot more distance between us and this Nazem Kadri trade so we can have, you know, all of July-August to hang out and kind of think about how this will all play out. We'll have maybe a little bit more news on how close Eric Johnson is to returning because the Avs defense is looking a little bit rough in October. Um, but obviously we'll get better as they get their players back. And then, uh, but yeah, you'll you'll see us again then. A uh, shout out to everybody who hung out at the chat this afternoon. It was uh, fun as usual. Uh, laughed a lot. Didn't even get that mad. <laughs> Much? Only I only got mad when when they when they signed PEB. <laughs> I had to Google, I, I had to actually look up who that was, and then I was like, oh, well, that's why I had to look up who that was because he isn't gonna move the needle. Oh well, I look forward to rooting for him either way. Either way, we we talk a lot of sh- a lot of shit about players that we don't think are a good fit for the team, but we're gonna root for them. You know how we do. Abs are still Bay for sure. And. uh so yeah, successful day for, for the Owls and a success, successful day for us too. So we will um, talk to you again in September, but in the meantime, you know that you know we're, we're not exactly going to take a vacation from hockey. We're a bunch of freaks over here. You can always catch us on the Burgundy Rainbow Discord. We'll be continuing to uh, probably po- post articles during the summer too about you know different things on burgundyrainbow.com. Um, so stay tuned to both of those spaces for any kind of changes that may happen or analysis that may be made or whatever. And then if, if, if Jared Bender decides to quit on the team in the middle of August, we'll do a show. But <laughs> hopefully not. 
So wherever you found this show, there's other places to find it too. SoundCloud.com slash Burgundy Radio. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us posted on BurgundyRainbow.com. You can find us on your favorite RSS-based feed catcher. Um, and I don't upload to Mixcloud anymore because for some reason I stopped being able to and I never could fix it. So... There weren't that many people listening to the show there. If you were one of those, I apologize. But obviously, you've been able to follow us over somewhere else. So thank you for being flexible and mobile. Um, shout out to the Canadians for actually putting an offer sheet into the wild. Shout out to you for listening to almost two hours of this show. Keep your head up. Get to the dirty areas. Stay cool. Enjoy your summer. We will see you sometime in September. Sweet. Nice. I've had this fucking Milky Way Midnight staring me in the face for like 20 minutes. (laughs) How did you think? (laughs) That tweet Evan made was pretty gold, by the way. (laughs) What? I linked it in the Burgundy Radio chat. (laughs) Oh yeah, I can open that now, now that we've seen the... Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. That's that's all I was thinking oh. too when I first heard it was Kadri coming back. I was like, man, Joseph is not the Ducey at all. <laughs> I like I like the official statement from the abs that Bolding posted it anyway. I don't know if anyone else did mm-hmm. about the Barry trade or the yeah <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, good show. I have a billion things to do still today. I'll catch you guys later. Yeah. Talk to you Sounds soon. good.